0: We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present.
1: Hello, Hello yummy, yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce.
0: This podcast is targeted at mums, mums mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen.
1: Now we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we we go. go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Soph, and everybody listening. How are you today? I am in such
0: an excited mood that I'm scared I'm just going to break out into song. Tell us more. But we know the Savages will give us a one-star review for our singing. So I'll refrain. I'll try not to talk too fast, but when you are listening to this, I will be in Bali. I'm literally about to leave for the airport in like 45 minutes. I was on Jade's ass, like, come on, (laughs) when are you jumping on? I've got to go. I've got so much nervous pent up energy, but I'm feeling organized. I'm feeling excited. My kids woke up this morning and just decided to be mini devils they're so tired so i think we're gonna head to the airport a little bit early and hope that they'll have a little nap on the way there because they just need a slight reset before i am ready to get on an evening flight with them what time's your flight it's at 5 30 p.m okay we get in at around 11 ish yep so, could be great, could like have dinner, fall asleep, mm. wake up when we mm. get there, do the transfer, get back into bed, go to sleep. Yep. Or it could be- mean that they don't sleep on the flight and they're (laughs) awake till 11pm. Or it could mean they do sleep on the flight, but then
1: decide they feel like it's morning time when we get there. Yet to be seen, but I'll keep you all posted. Well, it's all out of your control. You can ask for free alcohol on the flight and you can just do what you can do because we've all been there. Look, the
0: real part is what do I need to do tomorrow? Nothing. Nothing does it matter if I'm tired? No. No. Will I be tired anyway? Cause I've got a newborn. Yes. Yes. So bring it on. I'll be in Bali. I don't care. How are you? How long are you going for? I'm going for two weeks. Beautiful. So it's a real stint. Like, you know, you always need a couple of days to really like get into that relaxation mode Mm. and yeah, two weeks, two different places, but just Going resort chilled vibes. nothing planned at all. We'll work it out when we get there.
1: well, you've been you've been working hard leading up to this. so you deserve a big break, you deserve to have a rest, and whatever that may <laughs> look like, me. you know, Enjoy it.
0: Thank you for signing my permission slip. That means a lot. Now, how are you?
1: Um, I'm, I'm, that
0: just about (laughs) sums it up.
1: (laughs) And goodbye. (laughs) Now I feel, honestly, I feel sick. I feel super anxious. I feel confused. I feel... I am riding a big roller coaster. I've spoken to my psychiatrist, I've spoken to my psychologist. I am uh, just in the same same state like seasonal depression. It just hits hard. I don't know when the breaks are, blah blah blah. Uh it's okay. I actually I was speaking to you last week and I blurted just everything out in my brain on paper and I can't tell you how much that made me feel like better in the head because I was stressing that I was going to forget it. And it's not just like the phone's too much. Like I bought a camera to do my content with because I just want to remove a lot of like responsibilities from my phone so it just doesn't take up too much overwhelm of my time. And I feel like having things on paper and having things away and being able to, you know, just... I don't know, balance my life a little bit better is making me feel a little bit clearer in little bits. So watch this space. You guys have me to deal with for the next two weeks. So if you don't have any content posted, (laughs) it's because of me. No, it'll be all good. I'll be fine. I'm not worried. Now you had a little PSA during the week
0: of what not to do when someone goes through a what are we going to call it? Are we calling it a mental breakdown, a rough patch?
1: Let's call it, well, it's either exhaustion, depression, burnout. burnout. We'll go with any of those. What not to do is <laughs> to diagnose people when, one, you're not a professional, two, you only see a 10% snippet of their life, and I feel like I'm an extremely open honest, vulnerable human to the outside world. But I had people telling me that I have ADHD and that my therapist hasn't diagnosed me properly. When I gave a little kind reminder that if people could just like keep these wonderful conclusions to themselves, I had a reply from that saying, no, you definitely have autism. You have postnatal depletion. You have ADHD like you haven't. And, and I was just in shock. I wasn't sad. I was disappointed that people can't understand the pain that people are suffering when they're in a mental health crisis or issue. Diagnosing or thinking that you may know what it is won't ever help them in the downtime. Or the up
0: Well, even if the person's correct, it's like you've got enough going on right now. A stranger strangers because it was many, many people. And and we know that they mean well. We know that no one is messaging because they want you to feel worse. But when you're already in such a vulnerable state to have strangers reaching out and saying, hey, like you're not being managed properly, your therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist doesn't know what they're doing, that's never going to help. And what
1: can I do at that time? If someone says to me, hey, you've got blah, 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 what what mentally and physically can I do with that information if I'm telling you all that I'm so overwhelmed? So what I did was mm. what I should have done probably weeks before and I should have just taken myself off social media. So I just was like, this is ridiculous, but that's that's my fault as well. I should have put up the barriers. I know that I give permission because I'm open and I have these conversations with people. So I like to have, you know, back and forth conversations, but please just maybe at these times for other people that are going through it, they just, they don't need to hear when they're already trying to work out what's going on. And, and really, at the end of the day, what I need is a head break and rest. And I'm fighting myself daily to do that. I think that I've had enough rest and it turns out I haven't. I just did a food shop with three kids. Hilarious. It was an absolute shit show. And now I'm exhausted. But now I'm going to instead of pack everything and unpack, I'm going to go sit and have a cup of tea and just watch them play for a little bit. And that's the things I've got to learn. So, yeah, look, stay tuned. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Even if you do know, don't tell her. (laughs) Rude or Fabulous.
0: My three-year-old is obsessed with milk in his bottle, like it's a challenge to go a few hours without it. Recently, he got school sores and ended up on antibiotics. The script we got was for capsules, but as his only three, the pharmacist advised to open them up and put the contents into his bottle. Well, we did this and our son almost vomited because it tasted so bad. <laughs> the smell itself was absolutely horrific. Anyway, we had a bright idea that whenever he asked for his bottle, we would offer him the one with the antibiotics in it needless to say after a couple of days the demand for milk in his bottle stopped completely and now we're a couple of weeks milk free
1: bloody
0: fabulous they said also i want to note we've been trying to wean him off the bottle for such a long time
1: that's brilliant that's really, really brilliant, mum hack. Ru- I'm not rude. Definitely, fabulous. I've tried to dilute milk down with water, and they still just like don't care. So they still yeah, want it. They don't nah. care.
0: Yeah, good on yeah. you. So that means that if your child's obsessed with the bottle, mm-hmm. you have to expose them to someone else <laughs> with school. <sore>. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't no, do that at all. No. Now this week's episode. This week's episode, we chatted to Erica from Chronicles of Play. She is a school teacher and a play enthusiast. And we chatted all about the best kids' toys, what we can get longevity out of, how to encourage independent play, imagination, creativity, the lot. It was fun. I haven't quite become a craft mum since this chat, but I have definitely put more of a conscious effort into play. And it's been really, really nice. So I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, can you tell our beautiful listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. My name is Erica. I'm a mum of three. They are four, two and one month. I'm a primary school teacher and I'm the founder of Chronicles of Faith, which is where I support parents and families to play more with their kids and to make play easy and simple. And I guess just look for opportunities for play in our everyday lives. I know that as parents, we're busy and that sometimes we can feel a lot of guilt around play. So I'm really passionate about it, both as a parent and as a teacher and the links that play can have with our development or our kids' development and our kids' learning. But I also really want to make it simple and easy and make sure it's accessible for everyone as well.
1: Now, Erica, this could have taken a bit of a turn this episode, because when I <laughs> uploaded the question sticker, I didn't actually specify toys and play for kids. I just said, what do you want to know about <laughs> toys and play? And we started getting all these questions coming in going, oh, raunchy. Oh, this is great with via Science. <laughs> so no, we, we redid that and we have the proper questions here for children. So we can't wait to get stuck in and have you answer them for
0: us. Yeah, unfortunately, Erica is not, does not specialise in adult toys, <laughs> but there was a lot of enthusiasm. So look, we'll 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 find someone else to come on um, and they can answer your more, yeah, fire symbol emoji <laughs> questions. This is going to be a little bit more above board, I think. Absolutely.
1: So let's start at the start, obviously. Can you run us through what is normal play for each development?
2: So for each aged group, play absolutely looks different and the thing i like to really think about is where our kids are at so you know there's different apps and um, we go to our maternal child health nurse and they'll say our kids should be you know doing these things at these ages but as parents we know our kids best so i will often share an activity and say you know this is perfect for this age group but as a parent you know whether your child is at that developmental stage or not so i think if we look at say newborns what's the main thing that they're focusing on or that we're encouraged to do is tummy time, particularly if they're really little. So how can we, I suppose, find an activity that works for the skills that that child has at that age? So for tummy time, for example, I like looking at how can we make it a bit more interesting? Rather than just putting them on their tummy on a mat, can we put something in front of them? So a mirror is great because we can we can look in the mirror at them and they can look at themselves as well. Having things, so if we flip our newborn over and we've got them on their back, having some soft blocks that they, as they're swinging their arms and legs, that they don't realize that that's what they're doing. They do not have any knowledge that they even have arms and legs when they're tiny, but they're going to swing them, <laughs> they're going to knock the blocks over. That's playing with our newborns. And I think a lot of the time people sort of think, Well, if they're too young and we can't actually properly interact with them, well, then we can't play with them. So if we think that our toddlers or working up to toddlerhood, a lot of the skills that our kids are working on are sitting up. Then we're going to move into crawling, into cruising, which is where they're like holding on to things as they're trying to walk around objects and then moving into walking. So we're looking for how can I use that skill or how can I help our kids advance to the next one through play. How can I encourage them to move more? What can I give them to focus on that might encourage them to move and to reach that next milestone? But something I think is really important to remember is that we know our kids best Mm. and we know what they're capable of.
0: Is it true that tummy time can just be tummy time on us as well? I remember someone saying if your child hates tummy time on the floor, you can pop them on your chest and they're way more likely to, you know, practice tummy time for longer because they're close to you, they're engaging with you. It's a little bit, you know, less severe as just popping them on the
2: floor. Yeah, absolutely. And also with that, they feel safe. Like they know Mm. our bodies. They've got our warmth. We're a lot closer. We know that newborns, that their vision, their sight, it doesn't extend that long. So being on our chest where they're really close to our face is perfect because they're also. that's also helping them, giving them something to focus on. I'm so
0: glad you said that about the mirror as well, because the only time my two month old will lay down for any substantial amount of time on the floor is when there's a mirror dangling above her face. And I was like, oh, we've got another vain one already. She's (laughs) taking after mom already.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's about finding like what our kids are engaging with my, uh, she's one month she won't move her head if she's like you said like laying on the floor she's she'll lay there without really putting up much of a fuss but she's not doing anything she's literally just laying there but then yeah up on our chest she's got her head up and she's looking around so it's using what we know our kids are capable of to help them and to engage with them because all of that stuff is playtime.
1: Yeah, that's
0: great. So do our babies actually need toys or is it fine, for example, if you have a baby that's of crawling age and they seem perfectly happy crawling around, picking up things that, you know, are obviously safe, not the kitchen knife, (laughs) is
2: that enough? Can they just crawl around and do that? Yeah, I think so. I'm really big on looking for things that we have in our home. So something that I love, I guess a resource or a toy, that's what you want to call it, for kids who are crawling, sticky notes and sticky tape. Ah, there are so many yeah. things that we can do with those two simple things that we have in our homes that we can use and play with our kids. So sticky notes along the hallway as they're crawling along or sticky notes along the <sighs> floor even as they're crawling along. It's just like another thing for them to look at. What about sticky tape? That scares me a bit. So sticky tape and say like some plastic toy animals or some Lego blocks And perfect for, I've used this one a lot when they're sitting independently, particularly at dinner time. So when they just, they want to be close to you, but also we're trying to cook dinner. Sticky tape and some plastic animals or Lego blocks and tape them to the cupboard or to the fridge or to the wall. And it gives them something to, yeah, they can try and pull them off the wall. But with the sticky tape on there, it just makes it like that little bit more difficult. And it's working on their fine motor skills as well. That's so great. they're looking at how can I grasp the piece of tape and pull it off or rip it. Obviously, we're going to keep an eye on them and make sure they're not chewing it. And I was going to say, it.
0: when you say Lego, you mean like Duplo, obviously, of that age? Duplo, yeah. yes. Yeah, cool. Yep, That's so absolutely. good. And I feel like if you're sticky taping it up there, they probably think I'm not allowed that thing and then they'll want it more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's going to be showing them how to or what they need to do which I think is a really big thing with a lot of play activities, particularly as we move a bit older. I know you see a lot on Instagram like invitations to play, I suppose they're called, these like beautiful playscapes and, you know, it looks like a farm with all of these amazing little things. But if our kids don't know how to engage with it and what to do with it, they're just going to sit there and look at it. So, yeah, same with the sticky tape and things like that. We might need to actually just show them that this is what you're meant to do.
1: Now, do we have some tips for those who feel a bit embarrassed when they are singing songs with their baby or it doesn't come naturally? I will say before you give us the answer that you will sing songs forever for the rest of your life and they will (laughs) be those songs that are on the TV or in your car and you won't even know that you're singing them. So that will end up happening whether you like it or not. But how do we get them to feel more comfortable at the start?
2: So absolutely, I'm not one for singing like nursery rhymes and things like that. I love a show tune, like a Broadway, a musical <laughs> yeah. movie, a Disney song, love them. They're all the words. Start watching The Little Mermaid the other day and I was told I can listen to the songs on the TV, mum. You don't need to sing them.
0: <laughs> I'm always told to stop singing. It's Same. so hard.
2: <laughs> Yeah, this is how you learn, kids, if only they understood. But I think it's finding, again, it's finding what works for you. So yeah, maybe you feel a bit silly, but you probably feel just as silly talking to a two-week-old who can't talk back and is crying all the time, but we're still talking to our kids all the time. And singing's exactly the same. And if singing's not for you, well then find another way to include singing in their playtime and in their world and read them a story instead. Or even start there. Start with reading stories and putting on silly voices for the characters and when you feel comfortable with that, move into the the singing of the songs but also like what you said Jay. I think as parents like we're always going to be doing things that we feel ridiculous doing but I think that's kind of part of the whole being a parent thing.
1: Well I love that you said that you don't have to sing nursery rhymes because I started singing The Girls to Sleep with Alanis Morissette. It was the one song that came into my head and I would just sing it and tickle their backs to sleep. And I don't know why that song of all songs, but it was the one that would just pop in my head. And that started to be this routine every night, me singing that song, the poor things, because I didn't sound like Alanis Morissette
2: at all. (laughs) But But that's the thing, it's still introducing them to music. Mm. And it's still introducing them to a song. So we also, I think we really need to take the pressure off ourselves as parents. And think that like how can we make it easy for ourselves and how can we make it enjoyable for ourselves as well? Because it doesn't always need to be about making it a beautiful experience just for the kids. It needs to be fun for us too.
1: Have you ever heard your toddler sing? Mine is extremely monotone. So, yes, I think <laughs> we can all be kinder to ourselves there. <laughs> yeah, but for people that can't
0: sing, they're extremely judgmental about others. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like they tell me my dance, why are you dancing like that? I'm like girl, have you seen your moves? Yours are terrible. (laughs) But I'm there going, wow, yes, you look just like a ballerina. Can't they lie a little bit to us as well? Absolutely. What are the main things we're looking for when we're choosing toys for our kids? It's so overwhelming. Where do we even begin?
2: So I think you want to look for something that you can use in a range of ways. So I would say my top toys that I would suggest that you can, I guess adapt no matter the age like a plastic animal or figurine so is it a plastic animal are they dinosaurs are they plastic fairies what works for your kid but a plastic animal um soft toys or dolls or teddies blocks so are they you know these beautiful wooden timber blocks that we see or is it duplo or is it some other form of block a bucket and spade i think is really important as well but yeah, we're looking for toys that they can engage and they can use in a range of ways. So I know there's a lot of toys and things, you know, put some batteries in and press a button and it does something really cool. But what do we do with that? You know, and it's probably something that maybe they've seen if they've seen it on TV or they've seen a cousin or a friend have got it and they want it. But I suppose as parents, we need to think about how long are they going to actually be interested in that or engage in it. And how can they use it? Because sometimes we look at these toys that are beautiful. I know that we see a lot of timber toys that are available, you know the little pieces that can be used in what is often called small world play. But if that's not accessible for your family, well, then what can you find that is? And also what's going to engage your kids? Because ultimately, like we don't want to have this big pile of toys at home that they're not going to play with and that they're not going to use.
0: So is that what they call open-ended play or something? Is that what dolls and figurines
2: are good for? Yeah, so open-ended play, if I put, I guess I put my teacher hat on, something that's open-ended means that anyone can engage in it in a range of ways. So like I was talking about before, these invitations to play. So say we've got a farm set up with, you know, some figurines and some bits of fabric and maybe some, you know, coloured rice or coloured pasta and it's set up to look like a farm, that's probably something that we call small world play because it's literally a world, so like the farm world made small for them to play with and engage. However, I would say around that is if your child doesn't know what to do with that, then they're not really going to play with it. So I know for my kids, they kind of look at it, but they don't want to mess it up, so they're not going to play with it. So for me, having those sorts of resources isn't really beneficial in my home.
0: I don't think I've ever done that.
1: It's only actually taken my daughter until like three to understand or play with the doll and the pram and now she sort of imagines a little scenario in her head where she's the mum and that's the baby and that took a while for her to understand, you know, oh, you can actually create something with what you've got in front of you.
2: Yeah. And I think if we think about, say, like that example, kids play differently. So my son is four and he's into play where there is some sort of beginning and end. So these are all my pieces and I build a marble tower and I can build that marble tower in a a wide range of different ways and combinations. But ultimately, I build the marble tower, I put marble in, I watch it run through. My daughter, who's two, loves what you were talking about, Jay, loves the dolls and puts her babies to bed and cooks me toast in her kitchen. <laughs> but, you know, but she can't cook it for me again because there's no more imaginary toast. So she's really into that kind of stuff. My son, he's just not interested. So again, we're looking for, well, what are our kids interested in? And let's play to that. And Sophie, I think you said that you've never set up the small world.
0: I know. I'm feeling bad. I've never set up a small world for them ever. No. Like they have a toy kitchen and stuff, but I've never thought to be like, oh, have some I don't know. I've never done that. Should I feel bad? No, absolutely
2: not. Because honestly, probably what will happen, you'll spend the whole of nap time setting up this beautiful looking Instagram worthy, Instagram perfect thing. They're going to look at it and play with it for 30 seconds or mess it up. And then you've got pieces of rice everywhere. And then they're off to the next thing because that's what kids attention 100%. span is all about. So if that works for you and if it works for your kids, beautiful. But if it doesn't, like there's no need for us to feel guilty about that. It's the same as the singing. If you're not into singing and you don't want to sing the nursery rhymes and sing the songs, that's okay. Because you play and do, and would do a whole range of other things with your kids that maybe other parents don't do.
1: Well, that was the other question. Why do children always play with things that are not toys? Like you can buy everything in the world, yet they will go for the remote. They will go for everything that they probably shouldn't be touching. Why are they drawn to that? Is it because they see us use it all the time? Like what is
2: what is it? I would say that, yeah, it would probably be because they see us using it and they often they want to imitate what they see us doing sometimes it's because it's less intimidating so I've got this brand new toy that has all these buttons and buzzers and lights and it does all these fancy things or I have a box and a box is trustworthy and a box is honest and a box is a box that's all that it does and that's why they want to play with that. engage in that to begin with before they feel comfortable around the new toy that came in that box that they're interested in. Because
0: I swear, even when you buy them a toy remote, they know. They know it's not the real thing. Not the real thing. Is it because it does too
2: much? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, And it's because they see the real remote every day and they see us pick it up and they know how it works. Again, it goes back to that. It's easy for them to comprehend and understand how it works. And it's honest. I know that This is the thing that mum and dad or grandma or whoever it is uses every day and I know what to do with it because I've seen it every single day rather than this new toy that might look cool but I'm just, I'm not really sure about it.
0: Quite a few people wanted to know are light up, bright, loud toys bad for our babies? Will it kind of hinder them using their imagination because everything's there in one toy?
2: So, something to remember as well with our babies is that with their eyesight, so we spoke about before doing tummy time, their eyesight, they can't see a great distance and they also, monochrome colours are really beneficial for them to begin with. However, that's not to say that we don't show them things that are bright colours and have a whole lot of, you know, buttons and buzzes and things like that. I think if we're always showing things like that in our babies' faces, then they're definitely, they're going to be overstimulating. For them because we've got to remember their brains are so tiny that they don't need I guess as much input as some of those toys maybe offer and the other side of that is just because something has a whole lot of buttons and lights doesn't necessarily mean it's better it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play with it more or that they're going to get a lot more from it or learn a whole lot from using that particular toy.
0: I find with those my kids are really stoked on it when they first get it And then it generally gets pushed to the side and never played with again once they've kind of discovered what all the buttons do. Even if it's like a soft toy with buttons, they'll play with the buttons. And then it's like, unless they're playing with the buttons, they don't remember that it's actually a toy that can also be played with in
2: other ways. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is like sometimes simple is better. So yes, we could put them in front of something that has, you know, a teddy bear that has all these toys and buttons and sings them songs and you know, talks back to them or, you know, the doll that can actually sit on the potty and you can actually feed it food. A lot of those things are fantastic, but you're right. At some point they're going to go, okay, well, what next? Mm. What do I do with it now? So that's why I think having some basic toys that can be used in a wide range of ways is actually more beneficial because although the toy looks simple, what we can do with it is almost endless.
1: Speaking of simple, will our kids be more creative if they learn to play with wooden natural toys?
2: I don't think so. I think that kids are going to be creative if they're given the space and the opportunity to be creative. So NASA, a while ago, NASA did this study and they found that the group of kids that they surveyed at five years old, 98% of them came up with the level of like creative genius. Five years later, The same group of kids only had like a 30% level of creative genius and five years after that, so by the time these same kids are 15, only 12% of them were considered a creative genius. So I think it's more about the experiences we give our kids and the opportunities we give them to be creative than the resources that they are creative with.
1: Mm.
0: And so what are opportunities we can give them? How do we, in a busy life, busy week, busy month, how do we make sure they're having those opportunities if it's more about that than the toy itself?
2: So I think when we think about creativity, a lot of people straight away go to arts and crafts.
0: Yeah, and it sends a shiver down my spine.
2: Yeah, for heaps of parents. Me, I love, love me an art art and crafts moment. But that's not the only way to be creative. So are they building with their duplo or are they building with their beautiful wooden blocks if that's what you want to give them and if they, are they coming up with different ways to build a house and build Elsa's castle and build you know a dungeon for their dragons or whatever it might be coming up and giving our kids opportunities to find different ways to do something that's helping them be creative asking them can you make it bigger or smaller or longer or whatever it might be, can you do it in a different way? What happens if I give you this other item as well? All of that problem solving and giving them those resources, I suppose, where they've got to think outside the box. That's being creative. So if we think about that concept and then think about our lives, you know, maybe Sophie for you, your girls, you obviously go to the beach a lot. So what can you add to your sand castle? That's being creative. What else can you do? Can you make it look like this particular house or can you make it look like our house or whatever it might be? Like that's an opportunity to be creative that works with your lifestyle, that works for your family.
0: But my eldest does love arts and crafts. She loves it and she comes home from daycare with a bag full of whatever craft she's done and so I want to foster that. I want to be able to do it more at home but it just requires so much supervision and so much stuff and so how can we find a happy medium where she is able to do craft and I'm able to be happier with it
2: (laughs) put her
1: outside on the grass with heaps of washable paint no
2: so I love the the watercolor paints that are kind of like those hard discs because they're very hard to make messy yeah I say that and my two-year-old manages Mm. to make it messy but it's a lot better than say like a pot of paint or a tub of paint can they have a space That is like, this is your creative space and this is where you can do your arts and crafts and nowhere else. For mine, I've given them like a selection of items. So they've got, you know, a few pom-poms and a few bits of colored paper and a glue stick because I feel like you can't really do too much damage with a glue stick. (laughs) Yes. Other than a pot of glue. So we're looking at like, how can I make it work for them? And how can I also make it work for me? I think also, can we give them like, which is really similar to what they would do at daycare. Like this is what we're going to make. So often with my son, he might say that he wants to make something and we go online, so he's like we're using our screen time and we Google like he wanted to make an Elsa castle. So we Googled DIY Elsa castle and we looked at all of these different pictures online that inspired some creativity. I gave him a few boxes that I found in our recycling bin And he put it together, helped him with the glue. Then we took it outside and we painted it. So there's an opportunity to be creative that is restricted. So it's not like all of the things. Mm.
1: So if you checked out at the paint... (laughs)
0: No, I just feel bad because even yesterday I gave Poppy a yogurt pouch and she goes to me, mum, do you know that lid can be recycled? At daycare, we turn that lid into a necklace and they like, you know, thread them through and put them. And I was just like, you've got the wrong mum. Like I would never (laughs) look at that lid and think, oh, you could turn that into a necklace. Like I just... You've but just that's got what the daycare wrong for. in that
1: domain. That's the beauty of daycare is that they can do all these wonderful things there and you can do other things that aren't. Like I know that. I just wish every now and again my brain would go
0: like oh you know I I'm, I'm, i don't want this to turn into like a guilt episode and well is me like I still know I'm a great mom all right it's fine <laughs> but like I would never think as you said before to set up a small world play I would never look at a yogurt lid and be like oh we can thread that on some thread and turn that into a necklace like.
1: But what about one of those art boards? you know those little easels and you can put like paper there you can put heaps of like pencils and she do whatever she wants and that can be her little corner.
2: I know, it's just more stuff. The other thing, chalk, but chalk outside particularly, like chalk outside on a driveway or a footpath or something like that. Even I feel like, I don't know, chalk at a park or a playground on the footpath, I feel like chalks it's going to wash away. It's yeah, not totally. really graffiti. But, yeah, like <laughs> you using chalk to do some drawings, another cool thing you can get them to do is um, crush up some chalk and mix it with a bit of water and then it's like a paint. Oh, It's going to wash away pretty easily and it's an outdoor thing.
1: I'd like to just tell a few people that when I had no kids, I would gift crayons and the parents would just sort of shiver down their back. And (laughs) I, having three kids, like crayon is the hardest thing to get off walls, to get off anything. It's just so oh, textures. Oh, and pen, pen on all my walls and all the tables. I just love it. I actually remember drawing underneath the coffee table, and I had like a masterpiece under that, just drawing when I was little. Once again, not a toy I probably should have, but here I was just <laughs> using the pen. How do we know when a child is growing out
2: of a toy? I think once children stop really playing and engaging with the toy, It's probably telling us that either they don't know what to do with it anymore to make it match their skill or development level, or yeah, maybe they've just got bored of it. So some people will do toy rotations Yes, where, you know, they maybe have a group of toys that they have out and then maybe every month or fortnight or um, whatever time schedule works for them, they change out the toys. I think there's pros and cons to that because if my kids are doing something and they know, oh, it would be really great if I could use X, but that's a
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. you know, packed away at the moment. I don't have access to that. Then, you know, that's kind of hindering their play. But then I also understand for some people having toy rotations is what they need because of the space and the allowance that they have. However, if we look at kids potentially getting bored of toys, maybe we do tuck them away for a bit because then they come back out again oh, wow, here's this toy that I haven't played with in ages because I haven't seen it and I'm engaged with it yet. But then also on the flip side of that, if you bring it back out and they're not engaged with it, well, then maybe that just tells us yeah. that yeah, they've, they've grown out of it. Maybe we need to give them some ideas about how they could also play with it or what else they could do with it. In saying that, there are some toys, like we were talking about before, you know, the phone or the baby toys with all the buttons and the lights that, you know, once they do get older, They're not really suited for them. It's the same. The flip side of that is also, you know, toys have on them. This is for this age up, So it kind of works both ways.
0: And while we're speaking about toy rotation, another thing that came in a lot was to talk about toy libraries.
2: How does that work? Yeah, so much like the book library, um, a lot of towns and communities have a toy library that you can go to. You can borrow the toys take them home for a week or two and then return them. So it's a bit like a toy rotation, but you just don't have to store them at your house. Genius. Also could be a perfect opportunity pre-birthday, pre-Christmas. Oh, I think my kid would be interested in this. Ah. Let's borrow it from the toy library, see how much they play with it, engage with it, if they know how to use it, return it. And then, oh, wow, we got it for your birthday. How cool is that? And they will also tell you that, like, oh, this is a great idea that I as mum had and actually make you couldn't care less about that toy, so yeah. I'm not going to spend my money on
0: it. Or they'll love it at a friend's house and then you're like, oh, I'm going to get that because they really loved it and played with it for ages and they're like, yeah, cool, that's great, mum, thanks. <laughs>
2: yeah, because it's a novelty of it and which is also perfect for toy libraries if there's, like, a really annoying toy that they really want <sighs> or we'll just borrow that from the library. For two so weeks and then it it's going here. to someone else's house. Other kids need to play with it. We need to let them have their turn.
0: What do you think? You've touched on it a bit about good toys to buy, but what are some examples of the best long-term toys that last for years and years?
2: Long-term toys, I would say soft toys, blocks, and the plastic animals, I think, are things that obviously if we're looking at like what quality and what price point we want to spend, we know that you know, often if you're going to spend more money, you are going to get a better quality product. But those three things in particular, you know, you can play, our kids can play with, if they've just learnt to sit up, they can play with blocks. But if they're seven, they can still play with blocks. They're just playing with it in a different way and they're just engaging with it in a different way. So, like our plastic animals that we talked about before, we can take them up on the wall for my, so my six month old who is, has just learnt to sit. And then once they're walking, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to put it down the hallway and they have to like walk along the wall and pull the toys off. And then once they really want to go outside and do some water play, I'm going to put those plastic toys in a bucket of water with some soap in there and give them a brush and a cloth and they're going to clean those toys and they're going to have a great time doing it. And then once they're a bit older, maybe I set up a small world or maybe I give them the resources to create their farm or their you know, jungle for their dinosaurs. So it's the same toy, but we're just using it in a different range or in a range of ways based on our kids' interests and their skills and their development level.
1: Growing up, I was a massive doll lover, so I had one or two dolls that I absolutely adored and I sort of encouraged this when I had kids because I loved it so much. So they have all had some really special dolls growing up and yeah, it started exactly like Erica said, it started like, oh, it's just a doll that you can cuddle. It's just a doll that we take places. Then it's a doll that you can put a nappy on because that's really exciting. So she, they're learning like how to put little clothes on things and the fine motor skills that you were saying before. Then it's, hang on, imaginative play. I could be the mum and this can be my baby and I can push it around the house. So it really does last for a really long time. And there are a certain few dolls that the girls have on rotation that they all share to this day. And it's something that they can also interact with each other. It's just a, a really nice thing to see you can they can play on their own sometimes Yumi says I don't want you guys to play with me I'm just playing on my own and then sometimes yeah. she's happy for everyone to play so yeah that's what we do what 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 are some things that you do
0: yeah whenever it's like a birthday or Christmas I ask for either things to add to their dollhouse so that's either like figurines or like a bed or a cupboard or whatever because we've had that doll's house for years and it's still the most played with item that we have anything that's related to dolls they love or anything to do with their play kitchen slash cafe they just love any kind of imaginative play like that
2: yeah and i think it's about looking at like what our kids are engaged with and what they like doing i know that some kids, you know, maybe they're not really interested in that that kind of imaginative play, but they've got, you know, they've got the cars and they've got the bits of road and they've got the different buildings and the trees and all of those sorts of things that that, that is their world of imaginative play. And, again, like you were saying, that little things that we can add on to and that other people can buy them that just kind of like add to the collection of the same yeah. rather than having a thousand different individual toys. Yeah, totally. Absolutely.
1: How important is playing with our kids? Like what amount of time should be with us versus independent play? Please be kind. (laughs) Whatever you're about to say, decrease it by 50%, (laughs) please.
2: (laughs) So I wouldn't put a time limit on it and say like a minimum or a maximum amount of time because play looks different for everyone. So I think that this is probably, I know a lot of parents often say like, I feel guilty because I don't like playing with my kids. I like super passionate about play, my business is about play, written a book about play. I don't like playing with my kids all the time either. The imaginative play with the little figurines and putting on different voices and Barbie dolls, that's not for me. I'm not about that kind of play. But give me like a creative or being outside in a sand pit and building sand castles and things like that, mixing up things that we find outside the leaves and the bark and making a mud pie. Love it. That's what I'm all about. So that works for me and that works for our family because I build that kind of play into our life. And I think that as parents, we don't really recognize how much we play with our kids because we think about play as sitting down, putting on the voice, moving the doll or the character. So if you reframe what play means and we think of play as being anything that is you know exploring or investigating or being creative, we actually do it a lot with our kids. You know, maybe say Sophie for you it's at the beach or for Nick, it's cooking with the girls. Yeah. That's a playtime. But as adults, we don't really view that as play. So I think if we actually sat down and looked at all of the times we're engaging with our kids on those levels of creativity, exploring and investigating, we're actually playing with them a lot. The flip side of that is sometimes we just don't want to do any of that. So how can we be a step removed i still somewhat engaged. Can we be asking them, you know, questions of how else could you build that tower? I'm semi-engaged with the play, but I'm also sitting on the couch and drinking my coffee while I'm doing it.
0: And I do want to say, even though I was going down a guilt spiral, literally the most common sent in question was, I hate play please help me. So if you're in that situation, you're not alone. It's not like every other parent out here is like, oh my gosh, I love this. (laughs) One thing that was quite common, and I don't want to gender stereotype, but there were a few mums who wrote in saying their boys enjoyed very stereotypical boy games. And they were like, I just can't get around it. Like I love playing with my niece and her baby doll, but my son wants to, you know, play this raw dinosaur game and I just don't enjoy
2: it. Do you have any tips for that? So I think it's about meeting in the middle. So, you know, they want to play with the dinosaurs and the figurines. I'm not really about playing with the dinosaurs and the figurines, but you know, I love cooking. Can we make a dinosaur cake? Yeah. Or make the dinosaur eat the baby doll. Yeah. Can we, can I go and hide your dinosaurs outside in the garden? Yeah. And then you've got to go and find them. And then when they're outside in the garden looking for the dinosaurs, then maybe he starts playing, you know, it's the dinosaurs climbing the tree or living in the jungle or whatever it might be. I think if we take a, a step back and think about, yeah, like how can we meet in the middle and how can I bring, you know, a bit of their world and a bit of my world together and make it a fun experience for both of us.
1: What about the dinosaur run away, and you, you just have to look <laughs> for him for the rest of your life? That would be a good game.
2: Yes.
0: In that same breath, is it fine to make the chores a game? Like I love yes. doing the laundry and being like, you tell me whose clothes
2: is this? Isn't this fun? Is that fine?" Yes, absolutely. The ultimate parenting play hack is they is making the chores that we as adults have to do fun for them. But yeah, can you find all the matching socks or like I'm going to pour all the washing on top of you and you have to find all your pieces of clothing to get your way out. And we have the washing baskets that we have hook onto their like little bikes that they have. Oh. I have to deliver them to everyone's oh, that's room. That's so like cute. Or like oh Santa. my
0: gosh, that is a hack. I love the sock one because it's like, ah, <laughs> psych. We have no socks in this house yeah. that match one yeah. another, so you'll be looking forever. See you later. Yeah. See you in three weeks.
1: Absolutely. We <laughs> had a mum hack come in this week, and it was uh, my child started copying everything I do and everything I say. So I started cleaning the house, vacuuming, putting all the clothes away, <laughs> and going to the toilet, and having a <laughs> coffee. It
2: was great, beautiful. So yeah. We We've got to do those things and to us they're boring but kids think they're brilliant. So, you know, oh, I'm going to go clean the bathroom now but here's your spray bottle and your cloth and you can go in front of me so that I can then go behind you and actually make sure that it's done properly.
0: So good. When we're playing with our kids, should we be thinking about entertainment or education? I think it depends what the play
2: is and it depends what the purpose of it is. There are, I guess as a teacher, I can recognize a lot of teaching moments and I then as a parent, I have to pull myself back from that sometimes and be like, it's okay to just like play with my kids for the sake of playing. Like I don't have to make every moment a teaching moment, but the flip side of that is that yeah, there can be a lot of moments where we can be doing something fun with them and yeah, have a bit of um, educational direction to it. So can you tell me what that color is or can you pass me the orange pencil? Which one's orange? I don't know. Which one do you think is orange? So it's part of a conversation. As a teacher, a lot of parents over school holidays will say, How can I, you know, how, what maths do I need to do with them over the holidays? You need to take them to the supermarket and give them some money and let them pay for something. Or you need to tell them that, you know, obviously we're talking about a lot older children, but you need to tell them that they've got a budget of, you know, $5 at the milk bar and they can buy what they want. Or include them in the cooking. Or ask them to tell you what time we're going to get somewhere. Or for younger kids, um, my son loves looking at the like Google Maps, and we're working on left and right. So like that's a maths concept. So yeah. We're going somewhere. He's looking at the maps, and it's my husband normally does the driving on a long road trip. So it's either we've got to turn Daddy's way or Mummy's way. Oh, that's cute. And now we're introducing the the left and the right language. But it's just like it's something that we're doing. He's having a great time following the map. But I also know that I am sort of teaching. A little
0: bit. To be honest, you would probably do a better job than me. I'm just classic sitting in the passenger seat, forgetting that I'm navigating, telling my husband to turn the wrong way. Like you is he four? He's probably better yeah. than me. Yeah. I was actually after some tips because my eldest Poppy, she's five and she loves us to play with her. But every game is her way or the highway and you can <laughs> yeah. never play correctly. And it gets to the point where you go, what's the point of me playing with you? Because, you know, I'll say, oh, and what's your name? And she'll go, no, 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 you don't ask that question. And then, oh, blah, 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 goes here. No, she doesn't. She doesn't go there. And I'm like, well, then just play by yourself.
2: How, how can we play with people like that? I'm like, you're not going
0: to have any friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very one-sided. Play yes. It's a bit like the, oh, can I have another piece of toast from your imaginary kitchen? Honored oh, there's none left.
0: No, okay, so, yeah, we're playing customers and shopkeeper. What would you like to order today? Oh, what's on the menu? Whatever you want. Okay, I'll have a pizza. There's no pizza. Okay, I- I- I'll have a coffee. We're sold out of coffee.
2: I'm like, well, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose with older kids, maybe we need to talk to them and be like, well, how can we play together? Or <laughs> what, obviously a bit tricky for maybe a four- or five-year-old to be really comprehending. What do you want to play today? We're going to play shopkeepers. And sometimes what they need is a little bit of like setting the scene first of, oh, okay, well, I'm going to come into your shop and I'm going to order something and you're going to be able to cook it for me. Whatever I ask for. Yeah, please. It please is available. what I ask for.
0: Okay. So I need to take a leaf out of her book and do some prepping because she spends forever prepping for a game that she rarely plays. So maybe I need to do a bit of prepping back to make sure we're yeah. all on the same page.
2: Yeah. And look, I think as well, it is it is a developmental stage where they're very in their own world, particularly if they're an imaginative play, they understand the the path that they want the yeah. play to go on. And we cannot read minds as parents. I wish that we could, but because we can't read their mind, they're very set on this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes it needs to be, well, we respond to what they give us. And even if they say no all the time, well, now we're an angry customer. (laughs) Why are you being angry? Well, I'm angry because you don't have the food that I want. You need to say to Poppy, this
1: this is not going to go far. You're going to be closed in a week (laughs) if you have literally nothing to give.
0: I'm going to go on Google and give you a bad review.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One star.
2: And it's not about being mean to our kids, but I suppose it is it's a little bit like when we play a game and someone loses the game, like that's part of that activity. And then part of imaginative play is if it's not back and forth, well, then it's very difficult for, you know, it's hard for mommy mummy to play with you when you keep saying no. Yes. It's very much the same as, well, if you are going to be grumpy every time that you lose, then like that's, that's also another conversation Yeah. To have can you give us some
1: tips for learning to play with other kids and at what age is it important for this
2: to start happening? So playing with other kids often starts off as parallel play. So the two kids, they're both playing with the blocks but they're just sitting beside each other and they're not really engaging with each other. Maybe they're picking up each other's blocks but they're playing completely two completely different games. Then we move into like playing within the same space so, you know, maybe they're playing within the toy kitchen or playing on the playground, but the idea and the game that they're playing, although they might be somewhat interacting with each other, like we were just talking about, they have a pathway of how the game's happening in their heads. And then obviously we, look, we start to move into, you know, whether it's a board game or a game of footy or like playing cafes yeah. together where they're engaging with each other really similar to, I guess, the conversation that whether it's mum or whether it's dad or the sister playing with the game, everyone wants to have fun while they're playing. So I know that sometimes it can be tricky, particularly meeting, you know, other kids at the park who they don't know and who we as parents, we don't know them and engaging in play with them. Or maybe we're going to play a little bit of their game and a little bit of our game. Because, yeah, like we can't read each other's minds and sometimes, well, I need you to tell me how do you want to play this game today? You need to tell, you know, your friend that this is what you want to do.
1: Yeah,
2: great.
0: And lots of people wrote in saying my child is not good at independent play, but I really want to use their play time as some time to, you know, get some things done. How can we help encourage independent play?
2: So I would say my son definitely falls into this category. Um, He loves being in the same space as me. And he loves play where he knows like what's going to happen. So for him to, you know, play cafes and come up with that whole storyline, that's not really him, but he loves, you know, having toy cars and I he loves Paw Patrol. Can you build me Adventure Bay? Show me what that looks like. Can you add a tree? Oh, I can't see the tower. So it's about us as parents, like, trying to give them little bits here and there that also allow us to, I'm going to go and you know put the washing away and then I'll be back and I want to see a big tower over there or that sort of thing where it it allows them to be independent, but they don't have to come up with all the ideas themselves because just for some of them, whether it's a developmental thing or whether it's just an interest thing, like that's not the kind of play that they engage with. The other thing that we can be doing is finding something that they're really interested in. So, you know, does this child love, or maybe you've just been to the beach. So let's bring that into our plate because it's something that they know. And then hopefully that's going to help them to be a little bit more independent because it's it's part of their world or it's something that they can kind of comprehend and understand. And that might you know, engage them on their own for a little bit longer.
0: I also find if you just play like the first three minutes or so with them, generally they get well, this is my kids anyway, they get so into it, they then don't even notice if I'm there or not and then I can just slowly slip
2: away. <laughs>
1: is that fine?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe it's, oh, I'm going to go and get something for you. I'll be back in a minute.
1: Yeah, I'll be back. I love that one. I'll be back. I'm just going to the toilet. Yeah. I came up with this thing, actually, I probably didn't come up with this, I probably found it somewhere, but I decided just to put a big jar of pencils in the middle of the dining room table with heaps and heaps of paper. So anytime they come home from school or in the morning, it doesn't matter if the four-year-old or the nine-year-old they can all do it. They go to the table and they all start drawing, they color in. And it's such a good thing for me because I can actually unstack the dishwasher. I can do all the things. I love that we say, oh, I can, instead of like, I can go and have a coffee. Even you, Erica said it before, you're like, (laughs) I can go and like, do the clothing and I'm like, I can do the dishwasher, you know, just the things that need to be done. What a luxury. (laughs) Such a luxury. But they're sitting there happy and they're creating whatever they want. And then they come up to you and they're like, look what I did. And you're like, wonderful. Go pop it on the fridge, doll. And go do another one. (laughs) Yeah. Show me more.
0: (laughs) And I think similarly, the reason that works so well, Jade, is because the table is so close to what you're doing. And Erica, you touched on it. Like when we built our house we were like how cool that there's room for a playroom the reason actually that I think they play with their dollhouse so much is because it's their main toy that is actually near where we are because it's right next to the kitchen and it's like you could have all the space in the world but they want to play where you are generally
2: right yeah it's the same as like the newborn thing they want to be close to us yeah because that's you know that's where they feel safe and they feel confident and also I suppose with that is like that's how we can encourage them to have a bit of independence in their play because we are right there and yeah. we can sort of like tag team, not even tag team, but have a conversation with them without actually being involved in the play and doing the play. Like they're doing the play and we're just giving some prompts and mm. some ideas and things like that
0: and because I think it's easy with Instagram to get really jealous of like people with these epic playrooms but I think that when we consume that content we need to remember that if you want them to use the playroom you have to be in there too yeah
1: yes because it's very rare that they play in their rooms on their own really like I've got a nine-year-old like she might be in there she might read a book at night maybe but 9 times out of 10 she's in the same area or same room as us and if she's not she will be within 5 minutes
2: yeah and i know like we, i've kind of tried to separate some of our toys out so they do have some toys in their room but it's the same thing like they he still wants me to go in there and build the marble tower with him even though it, it's in his room i wanted to say as well like about the the beautiful playrooms and things like that is i think It's a bit of like, you know, Instagram versus reality, but that's really how kind of how I started on this whole thing was because as a new mum, I was looking at, you know, the beautiful wooden blocks and the beautiful little bits and pieces and small world play setups and incredible playrooms. But for most of us, like that's not real life. And I think that's probably like my biggest thing is finding play in the real life and making it easy and making it simple. So like what you are saying, Jay, a few p- pencils and some pieces of paper, but it engages them for such a long time. And that's why I'm really passionate about using things that we already have at home, because they're easily accessible, which means that plate is accessible for everyone, no matter like how much money families have to spend on toys. And some families prioritize spending money on those beautiful wooden toys. But for some families, that's not possible either. So, yeah, I suppose looking for the simple ways that we can bring play into our lives and families and stuff.
0: And is that similarly how you decrease clutter? Because Nick and I, before we had kids, we thought we were going to follow the mantra of all the the saying of you know one toy in will one toy has to go out <laughs> and now i laugh it's like the same parents that weren't going to ever give their children screen time but we do try and use what we have and we try and keep it minimal but i blink and the toys are overflowing again how does this happen where do they come from
2: i don't know but if you find out can you let me know because yeah, absolutely like the influx of toys as well yeah, they just say, like, they multiply, I don't know, like, the, the birthday parties and the Christmases. I suppose, like what you were saying before, I try to be very, a little bit specific about what I would like them to be gifted and not because I'm trying to be bossy, but because I know my kids and I know what they'll engage with and what they'll play with. So please give me more of that rather than, you know, the latest and greatest toy that they're probably yeah. not that interested in. But I also, we know that they love to play with the actual remote, not the toy remote. So finding ways to use the things that we see every day and making it, you know, like making it a play activity or allowing them to play with it. Although I would suggest not the remote. Our remote went missing for like three weeks because it was put in the tunnel, which was actually just under the fridge.
0: Oh, dear. Well, I'm glad we're all in the same boat there because I literally was like how does this keep happening the cleaning fairy comes around far too often and it seems to explode and the cleaning fairy comes and then they're like oh I want to take the bin out with you or you know and they're like why is my old broken Mm. you know this this and this in the bin and we're like oh um no idea how that got
2: there. So I have a hack for daycare I don't know if your kids are the same but the amount of Paper that comes home yes, from daycare. Yes, please, 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 please. But it's my favourite drawing. Really?
0: It's ripped in half and has your blueberry smeared across it. <laughs>
2: exactly. No, but I'm going to finish that colouring in. Are you? So I bought a like $2 scrapbook from Kmart and we come home from daycare and we glue the sheet into the scrapbook for them to do another time, which they will never go back to, but I haven't thrown them out. They think I've taken care of their beautiful artworks and they're just there in a scrapbook, which is pretty easy to yeah, like hold on to, shove in the back of the cupboard. I've tried to encourage, oh, what about you do this drawing? You finish this drawing from daycare. I don't know what it is. Well, then why do we have to keep it? Why, why wasn't I allowed to throw it in the bin? But yeah, so scrapbook, daycare drawings and artworks, glue them into the scrapbook. They feel like we've taken care of their precious artworks. And we don't have a thousand pieces of paper flying around your house because it was driving me insane.
1: Another great idea of the stuff that comes home, not that I do it, but I have seen it somewhere, is <laughs> they put all their artwork in a box or anywhere, like a filing cabinet. And then when it's someone's birthday, they actually get their kids to wrap it using the stuff they've drawn. So it's really cute. They think that they've, you know, used all those little pieces of paper and special things and wrap their friends present with it. But um, yeah, can't say that I've actually done that. Mine all go <laughs> into the bin. Oh, I'll tell you what I do have. I've got three plastic tubs that sit up in a cupboard with their names on it. Anything really special, like an award or a really special thing that they're proud of, I put in their separate tubs. And when they turn 21 or they're really mature and I know they're not going to lose their items, I'm going to hand them that tub and say, get out. I love Beautiful. that. Love that! I reckon if I tried to wrap anything with Poffy's paper, she would all of a sudden turn around
0: and go, "Oh no, we cannot <laughs> give that away. That's the best drawing I've ever." Oh no, and that one's also the best drawing that I've ever done.
2: <laughs> yeah. Our Grams and um, Nana get a lot of beautiful artworks. Oh, good on um, sure They love my kids, you. They gift them. Yep. And then they just, you know, they disappear. By the time we go back to their house, the kids have, most of the time, forgotten or they've got something new and they just kind of like keep getting piled up on top of each other.
0: A few questions came in about screen time. And I do want to say we have done another episode solely about screen time. If anyone wants to listen to that, we can link it in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today and making play seem a little bit more fun and less intimidating. I think it's definitely something that a lot of parents, you know, need to hear because it's something that not just myself guilts themselves over.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast
0: to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.